I'm Donica Contour, and this is Naptime Devotionals, episode 66, The Lord Called His People Zion, studying Moses chapter 7. Welcome to Naptime Devotionals, a come-follow-me study for busy moms. I'm your host, Donica Contour. I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I'm a daughter of God, just trying to get home, and I hope that something I say here today will help you on your journey home, too. Hello, hello. Um, I don't remember if I mentioned this last time or if this was an issue last time, but I had a crown fallout. <laughs> my back tooth. Um, so sometimes my tongue is getting kind of caught on my back tooth or like lack thereof. Anyway, it's messing with the way that I'm speaking. So if I'm struggling to say things or like, you're like, Donica, you sound weird today. That's why. <laughs> so heads up. Um, Let's talk about the people of Zion, um, Moses chapter seven, and obviously all of our scriptures are coming from there, so I'm not going to keep saying Moses chapter seven, but this is Enoch part two, right? Um, in verses 17 through 21, we have the one heart and one mind, um, no poor among them, uh, scripture that talks about what Zion was. Um, and this is where Zion is scooped up and taken to heaven. Um, which I always think is a super cool thing. Like how, cause here's the thing. I think we sometimes think that, Oh, because they were one heart and one mind and one people, they must've been perfect. Zion was so good. They got scooped up. They were perfect. And I don't think that that's true. I think that there was still, um, disagreements. I think that there were still, um, hurt feelings, but I think that because there are one heart and one mind, they addressed those things. They're able to talk to each other about those things and fix those things. Um, and the difference between like being an adult and having a disagreement with someone versus being a teenager and having a disagreement with someone, if that makes any sense. Um, when you're an adult about it, you talk about it, you know, and you're like, Hey, listen, um, when you said this thing, it made me kind of, I felt this way when you said those things. And, um, you know, we talk about it like, Oh, I'm so sorry. It was not my intention to hurt you. You know, whatever you get it figured out. Um, whereas as a teenager, you just kind of fester over it and talk bad about the other person and, you know, create contention and discourse. (laughs) Um, So let's look at, uh, verses 24 through 26. We've got some Satan verses here and, um, it says Satan was upon all the face of the earth. This is okay. Right here in verse 26 is my (laughs) kind of my favorite verse. Um, Satan had, so I, this is talking about Satan, right? Had a great chain in his hand, and it veiled the whole face of the earth with darkness, and he looked up and laughed. Like, Satan was the original bad guy, right? He's he's literally sitting there pulling one of these muahahahaha kind of like melodrama villain moments. Um, the guy's kind of a diva, so, you know. <laughs> that part just always makes me laugh a little bit. He's he's kind of a drama queen. And I think that in many ways he's kind of stuck. He's very stuck, but he's stuck in that teenager mentality of 
his goals and like how he operates and how he works and um he doesn't have the opportunity to grow anymore and so he just tries to take as many of us down with him as he can because um we're actually talking about this in Sunday school today we're talking about um the Cain and Abel verses and stuff like that um the fall of Adam and Eve and one of the things that I thought about and I mentioned this in Sunday school was um this is one of those things that like occurred to me then right then in Sunday school that when uh, um excuse me when Satan kind of gets back at God right that's his whole goal um with being the snake and getting Eve to partake of the fruit in the scriptures it says for he knew not the mind of God and um which is incredible because what we understand is that there was a premortal existence as human beings with physical bodies, we go through the veil and come to this planet as itty bitty babies who don't remember any of that. Like we don't remember the premortal existence. Um, I'd like to think this is personal according to Donica doctrine. I like to think that the veil is slowly placed upon us so that like coming to this earth isn't as jarring um, that it's slowly placed upon us and slowly as we get a little bit. So like maybe by the time we're one or two years old, then we've got the veil on us all the way. Um, it's not like immediately upon exit of the womb necessarily, but anyway. Um, but so we don't, we don't remember, right? We don't remember the council in heaven. We don't remember agreeing to heavenly father's plan and saying, yes, I will, I'll come, I'll come to down to the planet and I will try and do my best and I'll try to get back to you. Like we don't remember any of that going on, but Satan remembers all of that. He retains his premortal, um, memories because he's forever premortal, but he retains those premortal memories and so he knew the whole plan. He should have. He should have known the whole plan. And yet he did not know the mind of God. Um, and so I love this idea that we have the opportunity as mortals to understand the mind of God, right? Like, um, and I say this kind of a lot, that the longer I'm a parent, the more that I'm a parent, I guess, um, the more that I am a parent, not a parent, <laughs> But the longer I have small children that call me mom, um, the more I understand my Heavenly Father. The more I understand why He does what He does and why He put us down here and why He guides us to the best of His ability, you know, within our obedience. Um, and I get it more and more from being a parent, from having this physical experience. And Satan will never have that. Um, because he chose not to keep his first estate, and so he doesn't ever get a body. Um, he doesn't ever get at all, at all, ever. Um, and so he is stuck. He is stuck in this teenager-level understanding of emotions and love and all of the things. And sometimes I think that's a little bit sad, and I'm sure that Heavenly Father was saddened by it as well. Um, so let's look at verses 29 and 30 in these verses. Um, Enoch observes, observes, wow, observes, I told you my words are going to be funky today. Um, observes, he sees, <laughs> he sees God crying and he comments on this, that God is weeping. 
Um, and this phrase, we see this upcoming phrase. I'm about to read it to you. We see this in verse 32, 36, 37, and 40. Um, the workmanship of my hands, right? Specifically in 32, he says, these thy brethren, they are the workmanship of my hands. And I love that so much. So the next time, I'm just telling you right now, the next time that your brain is beating yourself up about your body, how it doesn't look the way that you think it should or how they say it should or whatever, whatever the problem is, I want you to remember that you are the workmanship of God's hands that he created you. I love that image of the workmanship of my hands, especially because I knit, um, I craft, I, I, I make things. Um, and so I know what it's like. I know the work and the effort and the time and the care that go into creating something from nothing. I know what it takes to take a ball of string and turn it into a sweater. Um, and it's, it's something that a lot of care goes into. You, you don't spend that kind of time. You don't spend that kind of time working on something unless you care about it. And we are of the workmanship of God's hands. And I just think that that's beautiful. Um, and it makes so much sense why he weeps, why he weeps when, things hurt us, why he weeps when we hurt each other. In verses 33 and 34, um, he talks about kind of watching us fight. And it makes me think of, I remember my mom always saying how it would hurt her when she would watch me and my siblings fight. And like, I understand like from a developmental point of view that it's necessary for children to have disagreements and kind of fight with each other because that's how they learn conflict conflict resolution skills. Um, but as a parent or as a child, I never understood like, mom, why does it hurt you when she punches me? Like, I don't get it. Like, <laughs> it hurts me. I understand why it hurts me, but I don't understand why it hurts you. Um, I'm my, I don't think any of my siblings ever actually punched me just for the record. Um, but I never understood why my mom would say it hurt her to watch us fight until I had my own children and I watch them squabble and, you know, get irritated with each other and say mean things to each other with the intention of hurting the other person's feelings. And it kills me. It kills me because these are the workmanship of my hands and I love them so much. And I want them to love each other. I want them to be best friends. I want them to get along. And I just realized my video is not, oh no. My video stopped recording. Shoot. Dang it. Um, my video stopped recording. So that's nice. I was like, why is there a big red bo button at the bottom of my thing? Because it stopped recording. Well, that's unfortunate. Um, anyway, so when we fight, it hurts God. He weeps. Um, and then I love, so in, in verse 39, we know he sends us a savior. Um, and then verses 44 through 49, um, Enoch sees all the horrible things that are coming. He weeps and he says he refuses to be comforted. Um, but then he is comforted by the Savior. And then my favorite part is kind of in 48, 49, talks about how the earth mourns, like the 
the land, the earth mourns. Um, and I love this because Enoch asks for mercy upon the earth and for the children of Noah. And this is where we get that promise that the earth will never be flooded again. Um, but I love, I love this, that Enoch goes through all of this, right? All these, what is it? 68, 70 ish verses. And he sees all of it. He sees the absolute best of mankind, best moments of mankind. And he sees the absolute worst. And through it, he understands the mind of God. He sees it and he's like, I get it. I get it. I understand why you're doing this. Um, and I think that sometimes it's hard for us down here physically doing it to understand it. I think it's really easy for us to get caught up in the world is so wicked. The world is so wicked and we see so much wickedness, especially if you watch the news, right? Like there's no question that there is wickedness in the world. Um, and I think it's also important to note that city of Zion time, right? When Zion was scooped up, brought to heaven in this time, um, there was wickedness. Like, basically everywhere else. Basically everywhere else was wicked. And I think it's super important to pay attention to this because we don't have to be of the world to be in the world, right? We hear that all the time. And I think that it's important to recognize that we can be righteous in wicked worlds. We can be making good choices when everyone around us is making bad choices. We can have our eyes on God while everyone around us is picking all kinds of other things. Um, and maybe not necessarily around us as in like physically around us all the time. Um, you know, not necessarily, I don't, I don't want to go down to the club and choose not to drink. Um, partially cause that's not my scene, but also like if that was something I struggled with, I don't need to make that choice in myself harder, right? Um, but we can be in the world. I can still, you know, um, I don't have a job. But when I had a job, I could still go to my job that where nobody else was a member and still be a good person, make good choices, represent Christ, be a representative of him, and... Um, by doing things he would do. Um, I don't have to do everything everybody else is doing. Um, which I think is a benefit of growing older. You understand more and more that the peer pressure, while it still exists as you get older, I feel like as you get older, you also kind of care <laughs> a little bit less. Um, I turned 32 last week. And so I didn't, there wasn't like this magic wand that like, poof, you're 32. Now you don't care about what people think. But, um, I mean, I still do care what people think, but my decisions are influenced less by, well, what would they think of me if I make decision A or if I make decision B? Um, and more my decisions are based on, does that feel good in terms of like, right? Does that feel right to me? Um, and does that align with who I want to be? Does that align with um, my journey to go see my Heavenly Father? Oh, my video turned off again. 
hoop. Okay, I'm going to wrap this up. Um, I think that when we look at our decisions and we look at our choices, we can look at it and kind of like, okay, is this city of Zion choices or are these um, everybody else choices? <laughs> um, and like I said, um, was it last week? About Enoch, um, he was this little lad that all the people hated, that was slow of speech, and he led the city of Zion, and they were so good, of one heart and one mind, with no poor among them, that they were taken up to heaven. Um, and so we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to be without flaw. We're, we're going to have flaws. We're human beings. It's part of the package deal. It's how we learn. Um, Heavenly Father cares less that you make mistakes and cares more what you do after those mistakes. Do you turn to him or do you hide? Those are, I mean, I guess those are essentially the options, right? Um, but I'll talk to you next week before my video stops again. <laughs>